Yeah, so I talked to Casey this morning, who was a guitar player and sleeping people. And uh, wait, can we? Are we start? We're starting. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I usually just try to say at the beginning, "Hi, friends. You're listening to Worst Show Ever." I'm your host, TJ Boyd. I'm here with Ken Seth Thibodeau. We are in San Diego. We are at Singing Serpent. This is like a production house. Yeah, it's a music house and a studio. So we do these little breakout rooms that are composer rooms, and we do music for ads or I, I work on short films and documentaries and stuff. And then um, we have a live recording room for bands and whoever else comes in. Awesome. Yeah. This place is very, very sweet. I've never been here before. Uh, I've known Ken Seth a long time. I first became aware of your music in the band Rumasaki, and then Sleeping People played shows together over the years. But yeah, you've been in a bunch of bands. I don't even know where to start, but uh, I was excited when you said you wanted to do this because you've been in some of my favorite bands, and uh, and I was sort of curious, like, where are you going to pull from because you've been in so many goddamn bands. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um well, thank you for yeah. obviously for everything and having me. And yeah, I I was wondering about where I would pull from too. But when you asked me, I first thought about Sleeping People, and then I was like, well, we haven't really had any bad shows. I mean, in a lot of bands, I haven't felt there's not my first reaction isn't like, oh, I remember these bad shows because even if shows were underattended, I mean, we always enjoyed playing anywhere, right. you know. And so it didn't matter about like money or about turnout. Or sound sometimes it could be annoying but nothing was like bad and then when you got me thinking about it more and diving into all these other bands right because I went back to Rumasaki first right. and if, if we want to go chronologically we had some funny shows okay. like uh, we played at a elementary school during recess <laughs> that's awesome um, but yeah that's not a terrible I hope hopefully no, that, it's not a terrible thing. I mean, so it wasn't funny. terrible for us. It might have been terrible for... <laughs> for a little bit of context there for the listener, some... <laughs> Rumasaki was like one of the first bands that I got into that was like completely... I didn't know what to call it. I mean, people were throwing around the term math rock, but then it was like not quite exactly that either. It was like coming from certain sort of jazz improvisational things, but still not that at all. And still kind of a rock band, but instrumental. And, and this is a band that, like, around, I think, the year 2000 or so was blowing my mind. And we didn't know each other at the time. I was just a fanboy. But, uh, yeah, it would meet later, I think, when you were in Sleeping People. And I was like, oh, that's Ken Seth from Rumasaki. And it's a, like, personal, personal favorite. But, I mean, I can't even picture this at a elementary school <laughs> during recess. That's pretty great. Yep. <clears throat> uh, I can't remember exactly who worked at the school, but it was a friend of ours. Okay. That um, it was like a kind of a field day type of deal where they had, like, hot dogs set up and they had, <laughs> you know, some games that they are playing, some punch. And, um, and, yeah, they were like, do you guys want to play, like, a short set for the thing? And I'm like, sure. I remember there were some kids that were running around with, like, covering their ears, and yeah. there were a couple that were watching from the side, you know. Did you guys tone it down at all for the elementary school no, kids? No, I mean, we just... were outdoors, so we, we just let it rip, you know. Yeah, just do your thing. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was fun. And then, yeah, Rumasaki, again, like, no bad shows. There were When we did that, we did, like, a reunion stint with Chevroy and, and By the End of Tonight in 2000. Oh yeah, I remember that. And and that was a bummer because it was kind of underattended for the quality of show and bands and stuff. Like those guys, 
Chevroy came all the way from France, and then by the end of the night, we were awesome. And, you know, it was it was a lot of fun for us, but again, it was, uh, you know, a little bit frustrating. Again, not, I, I don't even, you know, it wasn't bad at all. It wasn't like a bad show, right. really, on the tour. Sleeping People, Casey and I got talking this morning, and uh, he reminded me of one that I forgot about, probably because the deal was we were driving from San Francisco to Flagstaff. Okay. And... Uh, this particular time I had like a sinus infection or a cold or something and we were climbing the mountain up to Flagstaff mm. and I had like a really bad altitude reaction and I, and I just remember like being in pain, excruciating pain and when we got to the show it didn't go away, you know, so I was like, didn't know if I could perform and that was, that was the only time I remember like, oh yeah, that, I guess that was a bad show because I w- wasn't having fun, you know, and right. I was in pain. Right. Um, also, he mentioned, which I forgot, we, we were late. We were like two hours late. Oh, and wow. so we figured we would just go on last. We were supposed to play in middle, I guess. But then when we got there, the last band was already playing. This is before cell phones. Uh, we were just trying to get there, so we didn't have a chance to talk to them. We were like going through the mountains. They thought that we weren't going to make it, and so oh. that they just were calling it a night, basically. Right. And when we got there, they were wrapping everything up. The sound guy like was turning stuff off, and Casey was still like, "Well, I mean, we'll play." We'll still play. Right. You know, we're there. <laughs> and right. um, I guess we set up inside without, like, PA or anything. And they had, like, the lights on. And there were a couple people that were hung around, I guess. Okay. And we played. And this is with you. And, but, yeah, I remember not feeling good at all. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I mean, that's why I kind of blocked that out. And he reminded me. Um, that one was, was bad, I guess, for me. And that's um, a weird thing about this process. I've just been sort of noticing as I ask friends to, to talk about the where shows over is that a lot of folks, if you're just sort of positive minded, you sort of like ignore the bad or, or forget the bad or, or like block it out. And then I still don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing for me to try to trudge it up. <laughs> like, like I think I, it's, I think it's good because, uh, it, it's also brings up a lot of good memories, even with bad. And yeah. also, uh, subjective, it's subjective. What is bad? Right. Sure. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's an open question throughout this show. It's like, okay, or is it bad because I played poorly, or is yeah. it bad because bad things happen to me? Almost everyone that I ask mentions the where bad things happen to them. Bad things happen to them. Whereas from the listener's point of view, I mean, if it would be a totally different show if I was asking just music fans like worst show ever, <laughs> you know, yeah. like and they would describe like, oh, this band like totally did not pull it off like I love the record and then mm-hmm. their performance was shitty but that's you know that's not the kind of thing musicians think of usually when I say like yeah. we're show they're not like a couple times people have said well I performed badly at this show yeah. because of x y and z okay well for sure there's shows where I'm like ah oh, you know I blew it okay and then but then afterwards people were like oh, it was great right and so that's why it's hard to remember. Like, right. I remember uh, Casey reminded me again of one that <laughs> I feel like was. Casey's the guy to talk to. He, he, <laughs> he is. remembers the bad ones. He is. Um, we did South by Southwest. Okay. And this was Goblin Cock, which was with Rob. Yeah, and, Rob and at the time, yeah. At the time, it was Casey and I think Brandon from Sleeping People, and then uh, Nate Davis and me. And Rob. And then. Wait, you guys were all playing in Goblin Con? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. And then, but at the same time, there was a temporary residence label show, and they wanted Sleeping People, and Howard Hello did a set. And and so, and which is my recording project with Marty, but we never 
have got it. We never really did like a live thing. I was gonna say so. Marty Anderson, who's when I got into Rumisaki in like 2000 or so, it was like the same time as I got into Dilute. But Marty, yeah, Marty doesn't really do shows anymore. Yeah, and and also uh, we did the first record, Howard Hello record together, and then the next two he kind of like just sent files, and I did most of them. Okay. Um, and and so I figured, well, I could get a set together because Amber Kaufman also played in Sleeping People, and she also sang a little bit right. with with us. Right. And so we did. We got together a Howard Hello set with Sleeping People and Goblin Cock members, <laughs> and and uh, but but the problem is because we were doing the Sleeping People set, and we were we had to practice get together and practice for that, and also we're practicing for Goblin Cock and doing Goblin Cock shows. Right. <laughs> and we're just meeting up with Amber. We're meeting up with uh, uh, you know people at the actual CMJ to play these shows without sufficient for South by Southwest. Sorry, South by Southwest, yeah. without sufficient practice. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Which is was very common in those times when you're just in multiple projects and like, yeah, yeah I just get together, play the shows, make sure we're good enough. But um, And I remember that, that show specifically um, at, at the temporary residence thing. Um, and Howard Hello did a set. And it was just like, I mean, it just fell apart. You know, like, and we, and, but it was one of those things where, like, maybe people liked it. I don't know. <laughs> and maybe it worked. Right. And then, of course, after the set, like, Jeremy came up, he's all, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I appreciate that honesty. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Devine runs Temporary Residence. Uh, and I, I'm glad that he could act, because I feel like it's the worst when you know something was garbage. Yeah. And then your friend's like, no, no, it was good. It was and, good. And, and, and again, we still had fun because we were doing the Sleeping People set, and that was fun. And the Howard Hello thing was just a, a one-off and just kind of an experiment. Yeah. You know, and it's based on a recording project, which doesn't really translate too much live anyway. Right. So, anyway, uh, E for effort. Right. Um, and then Goblin Cock, which maybe Rob would get into some of those shows, but again, those were all fun. No matter, they were weird, and there were there were definitely ones that we actually had. I mean, everyone in that there's one tour that we did, and everyone in Goblin Cock in that one tour said like around around the room says that it was like one of the most fun tours they've ever done. Okay. And this was during the time when. You know, we were. It was just a side project that was for fun, but then people were taking it serious. Like we went on this right. tour, and like there was good turnouts. Yeah, um, and Goblin Cock was on temporary residence as well. I think so. I think okay. it started on Absolutely Kosher, right? Um, which is, is what same. Dilute or yeah. OK was on, um, and then I think. I could be wrong. Maybe maybe Gumcock wasn't on TRL, but because a lot of Rob stuff went on to TRL. Right. But anyway, um, so this particular tour, we did a U.S. tour, and uh, it was really wild. It was, it, and there were definitely moments that were. Uh, there was one that sticks out as kind of sketchy. Is we played a um, a CMJ festival this time in New York. Okay. Uh, at the, do you remember? Do you know a place called? Uh, the, is it the Cake Shop? Oh, the, yeah, Cake Shop. Yeah. Yeah, in, like, Soho, I think. Yeah, and it's, like, underground. Yeah, yeah, totally. And at this time, they were still smoking. People could still smoke. When was this, do you think? 2006, 2007. Oh, wow. I didn't know they were still smoking there that late. Maybe 2005. I don't know. 
No, I mean I believe I'm yeah, saying yeah. you're probably right. I just didn't know. I don't think it was smoking was legal in uh anymore, but there were still places in New York that yeah. you could, you know, you could get away with it. Yeah. That was one of them. Okay. And that's why we remember it so much because uh, I think I don't think there was smoking allowed in a lot of other places. It might have been right around because I moved to New York at like in like two thousand six, yeah. I wanna say, two thousand six or two thousand seven and played the cake shop a few times and I don't remember smoking there because that's usually like a a deal breaker for me yeah if i can help it. it you know in some towns there's no other options but in new york so there's, there's definitely i think it's a deal breaker for rob especially like i know pinback um would really try to get people not to do it at certain yeah. shows yeah uh rightfully so because it, it messes up the you know they're they can't sing yeah and it's it sucks just trying to sing yeah. And there's, yeah um but this particular show uh and goblin cock wears these gowns and the and covers the face too. Yeah, do and you every, want to talk about Goblin Cock? Such a weird band. Do you want to? Um, give a little well, bit of text? I, I think again, this is more Rob's territory. But uh, we were this kind of. I mean, it was a metal band, um, but it was kind of a parody, but kind of not. <laughs> and it's metal. So when right. metal's, but it's like it's like horror metal. Yeah. Yeah. Or like. <laughs> I mean, and then, but where do you draw the line of metal? When's right. it not a parody? Sure. <laughs> um, but anyway, and that was the whole thing too. Is like we were playing with bands that were like more serious metal, were and, like and we're coming out with colors. like throwing, you know, the horns, and we're in this in, in the the Halloween outfits with we have warlock guitar. Everyone's got warlocks, and we're all like, <laughs> you know, we're doing like Tears for Fears covers. <laughs> but anyway. Um, Super, super metal, dark versions of them, though. Um, <laughs> we played in uh, at the cake shop, this one show at CMJ, and everyone's smoking in the bottom. And it was, you know, and, oh, yeah, and we have smoke machines going. And we have uh, uh, strobe lights going. And it's just, like, it's just intense situation. And, you know, uh, because there was, like, zero oxygen and and all smoke in the room, Everyone got kind of ill, you know, okay. and from yeah. playing. And I think Rob, you know, he'll have to. Uh, I don't even want to get into it, but I think right. there was definitely some vomit involved. Oh man! And uh, <laughs> so I remember that show being like kind of gnarly, but still, it was fun. It's rock and roll. Right. I didn't realize you were in Goblin Cock because we're all covered up. You never right. know. Right. <laughs> you don't know who's in it. This is sort of a weird question, but I'm when you brought up the Howard Hello thing, my mind goes towards this question that I've sometimes wondered about, where like. Some bands have, like, these are the members of the bands. That's who's in the band. It's not the band unless those members are in it. And then mm -hmm. some projects are, like, one person's thing, and they get yes. different people to come in and out. Um, I think when I was uh, a young lad, I sort of thought bands were just always, like, these four or five or three or however many members. Equal collaborators. Yeah. I sort of believed that mm -hmm. based on my sort of growing up and, like, punk rock. Yeah. And then found out later that like a lot of my a lot of the bands that I love did not operate that way at all. I remember finding out in my late teens or something that, you know, Nine Inch Nails was really just Trent Reznor and whoever the fuck he says is in the band at the time, you know, and that Yeah. And then as I've been in the music I don't wanna say industry, but whatever, like if I've since playing in bands and stuff, I've been in lots of bands where I'm just a temporary member because the main person has a project and they need a bass player and I just am in it for that tour or for that recording or whatever. But I still have this thought of like some projects being 
like at the bare minimum there's there's certain elements that have to be there for it to be that band and then when you said the Howard hello I noticed a little thing in me was like no you can't do that you can't yeah, <laughs> like in Marty. like in my mind it's like you and Marty yeah. are Howard hello yeah. and other folk I know your recent album election year where like Madeline Johnston plays on it mm-hmm. you've got you've always had other people that come and go as like collaborate you know temporary sort of parts of it yep but i've always thought that's that's like bare minimum um but i don't know you were saying that like for those second for the second and third record it wasn't as much of a like 50 50 collab anyway so you sort of felt like that's how the project was going now i think what the politics with any band it's up to them and it's up to and you know they have to figure it out and yeah the and then what they portray to uh, I don't know the label or the fans or whatever could be totally different, but okay. Marty and I um, after the first record, you know, we kind of because sp- I moved away and then also right. we weren't really do- it wasn't it was always just a recording project. But you were living in San Francisco, too? yeah, yeah. And then I moved here. Um, he he basically started okay, yeah. And I took Howard Hello, okay. So and that was a discussion you guys, had? yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, he was like, "You go ahead and do it. I'm starting. I'm writing these songs for okay." Right. And then I was like, I have these songs for Howard, and I want to collaborate with you. And he's like, Well, I'll send you some vocal stuff or whatever, but it, but it's primarily your thing now. Okay. Um, you know, that's that was like, as far as I can remember, that was like our right. terms. Right. Um, and then uh, always, but always with the intent to get back together and and meet up again and work on stuff right. together when we can. Right. And which is why I'm glad we did uh, election year uh, last year. So, um, but anyway, yeah, for a while I was trying to do shows right. down here without Marty, right. and, but also I was working on material that I was mostly writing. So it wasn't really Marty anyway. I guess one of the reasons I thought that is because you have so many outlets and then like you've put, st- I guess that's more recent though. You've put stuff out under your own name as well mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, on temporary residence and then like I'm just think trying to think. Oh, like um, Prince. Oh yeah, and then Prince was with uh, Zach Nelson. Okay. And he he was in um, he was in a bunch of bands uh, from kind of like Sacramento and then Portland. But I'm think and this I'm I'm just I'm not so much, I hope this doesn't come off as like accusatory. It's more just like thinking through this thought about how, as you said, it may be. It may be the fans take it one way, even if that's not like in this case, it's cool to hear like you and Marty had this discussion and he was like, this is what we were. Now mm-hmm. this is what we'll be. But I'm thinking of how there are bands are like, um, what's that band? The ladies. That's mm-hmm. like uh, Rob, Rob Crow and Zach, Zach Hill. Hill. And that was a recording project. Right. But I mean, that that's like a band that was like what was cool about that band was those two people. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, these are two people who do different things. And if you like Pinback, if you like Hella, here's them together. You oh, know? trust me. I feel the same way. And the yeah. reason why a lot of this happens, a lot of one person takes it over or two people take it over. And then the rest of the band is essentially hired or yeah. learns the stuff. Right. It's just purely out of... Um, you know, logistics. Right. Uh, right. And as you get older, it's hard to get these five people to totally collaborate and practice together. Right. Not for everybody. I mean, but when I moved to San Diego, most bands were one person and we would all be in these bands. Like I was in all of Rob's stuff, which was Thingy, Optagonally Yours, 
Goblin Cock, Rob Crow, Pinback. <laughs> and then because I was in Pinback, I played with Zach's stuff, which was Three Mile Pilot, Systems right. Officer. And, and I was in all those bands at one point. You I didn't know, know that. Mean? Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> but see, this is a good example. One of my best friends, Jim, who introduced me to Rumasaki, Dilute, uh, Thingy, Pinback, like almost all the bands that you just mentioned yeah. uh, and more. I remember when I first got into Pinback and then at the same time got into Thingy, I was talking about them as if they were the same because Rob Crow and Jim got really, like, he was like, Dude, Zach is what makes Pinback. Mm-hmm. Like he was for him, he was like the bass playing, and Zach's vocals were. And he and my, I think Jim, I can't remember for sure, but I want to say he loved. I know he loves Pinback. I think he wasn't into Thingy, or right. or I might it might it was either Thingy or another one of Rob's bands. Oh, the Pinback is definitely bipartisan, and it's got yeah, it's got Rob fans and it's got Zach fans, right. Um, and I love both, and but yeah. but I, I now this was like when I was first getting into the band, but I feel like now, I can't imagine, pinback without either of them. It wouldn't be pinback if you took Rob out. It, it wouldn't be, be pinback. That you took, you're right. But that band definitely needs a collaboration between right. the two. But then also because I, I mean, they both have so many other outlets mm-hmm. where you get to kind of see like, well, here's Rob Crow's solo stuff. Here's yeah. Rob Crow with this other. That's person. when you can be like, oh, that's where that <laughs> part of that song comes from. Right, right. Yeah. Um, Which and is Zach does all these other things too. I mean, I don't know how many he has, but Three Mile Pilot. Um, yeah. Systems Officer. Systems Officer. Yeah. So yeah, I think then then as a fan, you kind of get the idea of like, okay, well. There may be other people that come and go from Pinback, but at least those two are the You're right. core. That is a true collaboration in the uh, oldest form, the oldest right. sense. In that sense, uh, and Marty and I were, the first record is, is Marty and I. Right. Then this record is Marty and I. Right. But in between, it was like, I kind of took it over while he did okay. But so you that, were still, he was sending you parts. And I guess it's, it. it's, I don't know if it's worth you hearing from an outsider, but it didn't. It doesn't come across as that shift doesn't come across fully. I think for the listener, like mm-hmm. they're each record's different, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't have known that Marty was sort of like doing things more peripherally. Satellite, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew that you guys lived in different places. Well, there's some songs that are more of a collaboration, but anyway, it's just it's all it's it's just like kind of boring percentages of this and that of sure, this person sure. did, I don't know right. but but the ones that are truly 50-50 were the first one and the last one right right um and then uh, back to the touring thing um there was somebody else, something else I was I was thinking of Casey reminded me of again uh, oh yeah well there's one time in Europe um a show with you guys and you had a full band and you guys were all nude oh yeah yeah um, where was that it was in uh, Germany I think I remember running into you guys in Europe. I can't remember where we played a show with you. And yeah, it, yeah. And it was at this like big like warehouse. I mean, in my mind. Yeah, I just can't remember. So so it's blurry for me because again I was I had a bad time because I was sick. Okay. I, I caught the flu like oh, the day before. Yeah. yeah. And I was like sweating it out in the van while the show was going on. I came in just for our set. And like pulled it together enough to play, and then went back to the van. I do. Remember and I that, saw yeah. you guys like briefly, and everyone was naked, and I just thought I was yeah. having this weird fever dream. <laughs> um, but we did that just to fuck with you. Yeah. <laughs> You're all good. Yeah, good. I was in. Come out of the in van. A band called it was CJ Boyd Sextet, yeah. and we played nude 
a bunch. We were only on tour for like two or three weeks, so yeah. I should be able to remember where it was. But if I, I if my memory, uh, it was some because we just started, I think, and we were we were going to France, and we were it was in Germany, so it was in w- one of those like kind of like Western German towns. Okay, I want to say Cologne, maybe. Yeah, it, put, uh, it sounds right. It could be okay. That's weird because I have I can't I can't picture it. I remember you I remember you being sick. Mm-hmm. Actually, when you said that, I remember yeah being like, oh, where's Kenseth? Kenseth's <laughs> in the van, like yeah. having the flu and having a rough time. Yeah, um, and it was freezing out too. I remember that. Okay, or maybe I was just freezing. I don't no, know. I think it, it might have been. I mean, I'm trying to think of the time of year. It had to have been in December. Or November. I think it was a little later. It was yeah. like February. It was March. It had to be March. Okay. Only I only know that because the tour that I'm on now, which is has been over ten years, mm-hmm. started in March, and it started with a two week tour in Europe. With well, I was in I was in Europe for like three months, but the first two weeks was with this band. So it's, so that it's, was when you first started this <clears throat> tour. The tour, yeah, wow, it was 2008. What a long, strange um, trip. <laughs> yeah. So there are these certain. I get a lot of times. Time gets totally blurry for me, but that that's like a marker because it was like two or three weeks right at the beginning, and that's when I left Chicago and started it on like a tour, not knowing when it would end, and it hasn't ended yet. That's so awesome. Um, so I want to say maybe Cologne, but I can't remember for sure. That sounds right because another show that we played that was weird on that tour was in Munich, and. Um, I think it's called Orange, the place. Anyway, it's like it's like this uh, place that has multiple venues. One's a small yeah. stage, one's a big stage. I played there with Pinback on the big stage. Right. But the um, small one, Sleeping People played. However, the promoter dropped the ball and didn't uh, promote the show, nor showed up. Like, forgot about oh, it altogether. Man. Right. Sound guy didn't show up. Um, we get there, and like they're like, there's a show tonight? Yeah, um, that's the worst. And, I mean... We, we didn't even play because nobody, we couldn't get anyone, to, we didn't know anybody over there, you right. know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, as you, I'm sure you've, you've experienced similar stuff, but, um, so what happened was, we went to the other show that was going on um, in the same place, and it was called the, oh god, I'm trying to remember, Anti, it was a hip-hop band. Anti-pop consortium? Yes. Awesome, okay. From Canada. Are they from Canada? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. And we ended up watching them and hanging out with them. And yeah, we had a re- again, it, it was like a, it wasn't a bad show because we had a great night. Right. Um, that's funny. Your show didn't happen, but theirs did. Right. And, uh, you and still that's had a fun time. Yeah. And, we had, and so yeah. we didn't. We had a night off and saw them and hung out with them. So yeah. Yeah. That 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 ended up working out fine. But um, it's too bad because you know you always want to play no matter what. Same with, the, you know, just like that Flagstaff thing. We were there and there were still like a couple of people there. So, well, I just, I love hearing your attitude about it. I have to say, <laughs> like, I love that you're just like, it's always fun. And yeah. I don't know if it's partly, I think a lot of folks, if you have like your regular job and then you go on tour and you're like, that's fun. And then you just, if you have the right attitude, make have, make the best of it. Yeah. No matter what happens. I mean, there's all, you're, you, there are going to be one-offs. And there are going to be tours that are better than others, and there'll be one-offs uh, of certain shows that are bad. But, uh, yeah, overall, that's why when you first asked, I couldn't really think of anything. I've been having to dig, and, and little things will pop up. Right. Um, one just came up to my, in my head right now is, uh, again, like kind of, kind of running myself too thin 
and doing multiple bands, right. that's when I run into problems. Sure. Because I'll be on a tour with one band, and then I immediately hop on to another tour with another band that's totally different. Right. And I remember uh, I took Rumisaki tour out to New York, and then we played a, a CMJ thing, and then I took a Tarantel tour back with them. Right. And we went through uh, Canada, and we went to like the Constellation Records. Yeah, yeah. Went to their that place. Yeah. Um, played a show up there, but since I wasn't, I hadn't practiced enough with them, and I was in this other mindset, I totally flailed on one of the in one of the shows and like okay. I couldn't remember the song it was like a nightmare you know like oh, like where you're like on stage and you can't remember your part oh, like geez. have you ever had those nightmares um I, I have those every once in a while probably from this experience because right, I right. totally it's like a normal like little guitar harmonic part right. that completely flowed <clears throat> and I felt so bad about it was it, it like you know? throughout the show or just like on one song just one song okay but it like ruined my night oh man so that was a bad one I'm curious too this is a maybe strange question but I mean you're a multi-instrumentalist. I know mostly know you as a bass player, mm-hmm. but you you do lots of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, a lo- and some of the bands we're talking about, like, it's definitely somebody's project and you're joining in, right? If, like, Goblin Cock is, like, Rob's thing, mm-hmm. Tarantel was, like, Jeffrey and Danny's thing and Trevor's thing, and you were kind of joining in later. Yeah, is that right? Or uh, Tarantel like- was a little bit... Like what you were saying at first, the first record was a collaboration. Okay. It was started uh, before the first record. It was started by, it was always Jeff and Danny. Yeah. And then they had the band with Patricia um, and uh, and Egg, John Hughes is the drums. Yeah. And, and then I joined. So it was me, Jeff, oh, Danny, wait, Egg. Egg. I know. He played with Bonfire Madigan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I met him on a band Bonfire Madigan yeah. tour. That's awesome. So, I didn't realize he was in the band. So, yeah, it was always uh, Jeff and Danny, but the first record was a full-on collaboration. Everyone, yeah. like, brought stuff to the table, Yeah, you know. Um, and, but and you weren't in the band then. I you was. Were, you were, okay. Yeah, so if you look at um, From Bone to Satellite, okay. like, oh, on the, the back, yeah. um, it has, like, what everybody did, you know. Yeah. So it's it, what you're saying, it's kind of good sometimes when bands do that, right? Like, who played on what, and sure. you can kind of get a feel of, like, who, you know, the yeah. influence each person had. Um, and then after that, it kind of split. Uh, Trevor joined. Um, yeah. Then I left. But while Trevor was in, it, me and he and I both like wrote stuff together too. So I mean, there, there's. It was like a collaboration, but always the anchors were um, Jeff and Danny. Right. Like I don't think Tarantel would exist without one of them. Right. Know? But so on the tours, if you think about it, I don't know if you, it's weird to frame it this way, but there's tours where you were sort of more a hired gun or like a friend filling in. And then tours where, like, this was your band or, like, you were one of the people who, like, wrote the record and, and like, I don't know how many tours were are where you were involved in, like, organizing the shows or being the one who was, like, we sometimes say, like, the band Papa or the band Mama, you know, like. Yeah, I always have stayed away from that. Okay. Like, for some reason, <laughs> like, I've always been not very good at it. Okay. And um, so, but, uh, you know, uh, there's always someone in the band that does that. And I always super, you know, respect that. Like and Casey, I'm guessing. Was Casey the, was the, the one for, for sleeping, sleeping people. people right. Uh, Rumasaki had Mitch. Right. Um, and then uh, Tarantella, Jeff. Um, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, that's why. And then when I was doing my solo stuff, I had to do that. And that's right. why, like, it was. But, you know, I would. Jeremy would help me um, get some temporary residence, would help me get 
together with other bands. Okay. And just open for them, you know. So those. Okay. Um, but yeah, I've always been bad at like of taking charge of that stuff. But I, in return, I'll make sure that like everyone's all set when we get there. Like I'll, I'll I end up like moving the most of the equipment all the time and dealing with like just logistics of, in the band and the sound and all that you know in your band or in in whatever whatever okay. I tour, whoever I tour with I'll always make sure like good communication with the sound guy and when we're there everyone's happy right that's kind of what I'm into more yeah yeah but. I'm just thinking about how for me I don't do it as often but I really love when I get to just be the like hired gun or the the person just like supporting and in those situations, I find that my threshold for what constitutes a bad show is much different than what it is. Yes, for shows that that's are the whole. Just me. That's a whole other thing too. Maybe that's why I don't have remember many bad shows because uh, Casey remembered some because he had to deal with more of that kind of uh, like promotional and. I think I think also I'm I'm just I'm not sure about this, but just thinking out loud, I feel like the booking is the least fun part. Yeah. And when you book a show, you're sort of putting in a certain amount of unpleasant time with a hope for like a payback of something good. Mm-hmm. And so then when it's not good, it's like, I could have just not booked this show. I could have not dealt with whatever stuff led up to this if this was all we were going to do. Yeah. And, I, and that's, I don't know if that's a good way to think about it, but I think that does happen. Well, you're where, trying to reason. You're trying to like to make it make sense of it in your in your head. Right. And it's such a nonsensical thing, you know. You're <laughs> like, you're like, what's the point, you know? Right. <laughs> but I'm, but I'm saying when I get to just be, if I'm getting a per diem and just like showing up and get to play, mm-hmm. I don't really, I mean, I don't really care if the show's great. Like, I have fun either. Oh way, yeah, yeah. That's what you're is saying. Is what I mean. Is so, in that situation. So it's a success because it actually is happening, and you booked it, and here it is, and all. Is, is that what you mean? I'm saying in show, like, I don't do this as often, I think, but w- if I'm in a band where it's not really my project and I was not responsible for the setting up of the show yeah. or any of the logistics mm-hmm. and I didn't deal with, like, some shitty promoter saying we have to sell a certain amount of tickets or else it's, you know, we don't get paid or, yeah. you know, all the, like, crap that can make a show bad from the from the front end, from the, like setting it up if i'm not dealing with any of that and i just show up and i'm getting paid anyway and i'm playing the show that i want to play it takes a lot more for that show to be bad for me well for me anyway yeah and there's a reason for i mean that's why bands have managers right you know (laughs) right that's why um i mean honestly like pin in with pinback i won't talk much about pinback because it's not my you know again i was hired and but I did have a great experience with them, and uh, I had some great tours with them. And part of that was because of the organization, because of the management. Yeah. Um, and and everyone got to concentrate on the music, concentrate yeah. on, uh, you know, enough. To, uh, there were early tours where, you know, Rob and Zach would have to handle more of that, right. and those those could be potentially more stressful, you know. Right. But especially when you got to like the bus level and all that, and you, right. and you wake right. up at the venue. I mean. <laughs> I don't think I might go on a bike ride before, you know, I load in. Right. I got about four hours, you know? (laughs) It's, like, ridiculous. Yeah. But, uh... That's great. That's where you want to be, I guess. (laughs) But anyway, yeah, it's all... It's it's all good. Yeah. Well, either way, I I appreciate your, uh... Your positive attitude. That's what... That's that's what we need in the world. Um... I appreciate your positive attitude. (laughs) Well, like I said, I still am, like... 
Is it is it good or bad that I'm like asking everyone to like relive the worst moments of their life? I feel like uh, it's got to be interesting. I, like it's it'd be interesting for me as a musician to have gone through it to hear other people's stories. Yeah, I think that's very much the and you'll find out me. you'll find out what like you said what constitutes as a bad show. That's the question. What constitutes as a bad show? Right. Okay, two more short stories. Okay, yeah. One was with another one with Rumasaki. We played with Hella in uh, Sacramento. And it must have been 99 or something. Okay, so they were like duo at the time, yeah. They were duo. They just came out with uh, Hold or whatever that first one is. The, the Hold Horse. That's a song, but, it, but it's like the one with the California flag on it, the Rough and Ready, Republic okay. of the Rough and Ready. Okay. They were just coming out with that. And then um, we played a show with them in a coffee shop. And my bass blew, the head blew uh, right when we started, like the first song. And because Hella doesn't have a bass player, like, there was nothing to do. <laughs> right. And, like, you know, we're going to wait for someone to grab an, an amp from somewhere and restart the show. Everyone's already there and into it. So I just left the stage, and I watched Rumasaki play, like, oh, with weird. the crowd, you know? Weird. And so it was actually really awesome. It was okay. really fun. Again, turned out fine. <laughs> Again, you're like, uh, actually, it was totally fun yeah. to not play that show. Um, <laughs> you know, and uh, it worked with Hella really well because they're just guitar and drums, too. And then another time, I'm not going to say any names, but when Rumsaki was on tour with uh, Sweep the Leg Johnny, we, we played a like a frat party kind of show at um, in Notre. I think was it Notre was it Notre Dame. Anyway, it was somewhere over there. Okay. Um, and it was uh, this you know house party show, and when they opened up, uh, Sweep played first, and they used our equipment, and. Um, one of the guys from Sweep, who you know might have played bass, um, <laughs> not like, saying any names. Totally, um, one of the bass totally players. got into it, and they were getting into it, and it was awesome. And I totally don't blame him for this, because you know I understand. But he threw his amp, his guitar into my amp, and it blew up. Like the like they were just getting <laughs> so into it, and like and that's it. And oh, so uh, actually, I think they played after us, but I didn't have for the rest of the uh, tour. You know, I didn't have an amp, so you know he gave like me. He, when you but he gave he me some money, up. and I bought. I had to buy like this, like replacement amp for the rest of the tour. Like just the like he blew up the head. Yeah, he took it and went into the head, and oh, I had like geez. this heart key head with like the graphic EQ and stuff on yeah. it, and it just completely destroyed it, and um and it didn't work after that. Right. And, uh, and so, I never understand this. This is this is what makes me not rock and roll <laughs> at all. Is like if you want to trash your gear. I think that's weird, but okay, you can yeah. do that. But if you're borrowing somebody else's gear, I think he forgot. Honestly, you I think, think he, he just did. forgot. Like, yeah. oh yeah, this is not my head. Like, does he have the same head at home? Like, Maybe. why? <laughs> I don't know, but I know he felt bad about it, and he gave me some money, even though it wasn't enough money to buy anything decent. So I had to, <laughs> I had to take like this, like I don't know what it was, a crate head or something, for the rest of the tour. Oh man. But uh, but anyway, so that was that, again. That was kind of that, was, that kind of, that sucked, but that was kind of funny, too. Yeah. Um, and again, you're a nicer guy than I am. If somebody deliberately destroyed the gear that I was lending them, yeah, I think that'd be it. I think that'd be the end of that tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, don't know, I don't know. I can't. I can't hang with that. But yep. you're a nicer guy than I. Well, we were on the we were on the road, so you know. I was like, let's just go. Let's just go. Let's move. Keep on moving. Keep moving. And then, and then uh, I, I got a replacement amp, and it, it was it was fine. It wasn't as loud, but it sounded all right. 
Right. And the places that were that would mic up your your amp, it didn't matter. Yeah. Right. Um, so that's good but for the future frat parties. It was a problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the whole like you're right. The whole like throwing your guitar into your equipment stuff. Yeah, make sure it's yours yeah. before you do yeah, it. Yeah, make sure it's sure yours. It's, that's the. I think it's even sometimes it's less intentional. I've just I've been in bands where like the drummer borrows you know the snare or something of our drummer or whatever, and then they're just like they're beating it really hard, and mm -hmm. I'm watching our drummer go, Jesus man, like if you're gonna hit the drums that hard, you should bring your own drums. Like don't borrow someone else's oh, drums I know. and then yeah, destroy that, them. That's always a big thing with drummers. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. Yeah. I've... I mean, because, yeah, I get it. I mean, drum heads are, <laughs> they don't, they not, you know, they don't last forever. And so. Yeah, well, <laughs> and Chevroy, that band uh, from France, and we love those guys, Rumasaki, we all, we're all friends. Yeah. But they were hard on equipment, you know. Yeah. And, and that was part of, uh, like, a. Uh, you know, Julian would stand on the drums at some point, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, were you guys, was it your drum set? It was or? Jeff's, I think, okay. a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Respect your friends stuff. Um, man, I think we'll wrap it up, yeah? I yeah, sounds good. I appreciate you uh, spending your time. And, um, yeah, it was fun. I can't wait to hear uh, other people's adventures. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know when this is going to start airing. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Dewana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com slash worst show ever.